0: Stay golden.
1: Hurricane.
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast. We are a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token.
1: And I'm Sad Rec Team.
0: <laughs> wow. We did not talk about that beforehand. That was was pretty good.
1: Tulsa had a rough weekend. Um, As I'm sure everybody is aware, Tulsa lost 69 to 10 to our rival SMU on the road in the Boomtown Showdown. Um, Also, we did not call it for, I don't know
0: how we forgot to even say the term Boomtown Showdown last week. I think that's maybe a first on this podcast. I love that name. And for whatever reason, neither of us remembered to call it that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I honestly, it didn't even cross my mind until we were kind of like talking about it in a group uh, chat setting or something. Um, yeah, so that's on us. Um, I feel like, you know, Tulsa's plan to kind of hide the name, uh, maybe it wore, rubbed off on us a little <laughs> bit, and that sucks. It us. only took so, six years, <laughs> or whenever they stopped doing it. I don't remember when they stopped. Yeah, back in like 2016 or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, so... You know, this is a game that last week, I mean, literally on Thursday, whenever we released our last episode, I figured we weren't gonna cover. Um, but I did not think we were gonna lose by fifty nine points. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you said we were I thought I'm pretty sure you said we were probably gonna cover that spread. No, I said I wouldn't be surprised with a forty two to ten like wow. repeat. Yeah. I said we could, but I didn't think we were going to. Got it. Um And if I did, oops. I I totally, in my head, I was like, we're not, we're probably not going to cover. Um, So, you know, pull up the receipts if we need to. Um, I'm not too worried about it. Um, But yeah, was not expecting a 69 to 10 loss um, to get so much stuff on Twitter about SMU is on pace to score 100 points uh, for the first time since. Tulsa gave up 100 points to Houston back in 1986, 68, 68. Yeah. Almost had it. I knew I knew 86 was way too soon. That's why I I was hesitating there. So, yeah, no, uh, rough game, (laughs) (laughs) rough game, rough (laughs) game indeed. Maybe, maybe that's burying the lead, but
0: nope, that is the lead. Uh, yeah, no, not a rough game. I mean, not a, not a surprising way to frame that at all. Um, absolutely rough game. We were recording this on Monday, October 30th, the day before Halloween hell night, as, as some people call it, I think in the Northeast, uh, it goes by many names, but this was definitely a spooky game. 52-3 to at halftime for this one. Uh, It was just brutal from the jump. The game started off... I actually missed this first drive. I I turned the game on like five or six minutes late. They had already scored. The first drive of the game for SMU was a two-play 75-yard drive and obviously a score. Uh, Never slowed down from there. No way to sugarcoat it. This game was an embarrassment, I think, to TU, to the fans, to pretty much anybody involved with this game that's not on the SMU side. I think it was the worst game I've ever watched as a TU fan. I think like nothing about this was good. It didn't start off well and then we collapsed. It didn't start off poorly and then we came back at the end or anything like it was just bad the entire game. Um no one saw it going this way, obviously. To to kind of like to guess it would have been 69 to 10 would have been extreme, obviously. And nobody was making that call. Uh the most points given up by a Tulsa team. Since uh 48 to zero halftime deficit uh against that was that Houston game, 1968. Um uh or no, no, no. Sorry, those are two separate things. They're those are but they're both against Houston. Wow, that's even worse. Uh we had the 106 Houston loss. That was the 68 one we already talked about. Um there was also a game in 1988, which was we were down 48, nothing at halftime against Houston, ended up losing that game 82 to 28. Uh, but this one's against the ponies. Out gained 440 to 110 yards in the first half. Total, we were out gained 638 to 247. It's just like, oh my God, man. Like, I cannot believe this happened. We're, we'll get into the quarterback deal, you know. We have some, like, I'm sure we've got some opinions on that, but it was just awful. Um, Lost turn- a turnover battle, obviously, again, in this one, two more interceptions in this game. We're tied still for second to last in the country in turnovers. 20 total, 15 of those are interceptions still tied with Georgia Southern and Davis Bryn. I will add, um, even though they won their last game. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was rough. Uh, Matt, you already kind of gave your thoughts on kind of the, the high level thing here. So let's get right into like the quarterback deal. Um, and I'll say like to Kevin Wilson's credit here, he did kind of do what we said you know last week. He stuck with one guy for the whole game you know or most of it cardell came in at the very end there but for the most part he stuck with one guy um so what did you (laughs) what did you think about that uh choice and (laughs) well i guess what would you do differently going forward i and it feels like a a leading question there but
1: what what did you think about the quarterback situation yeah so i'm glad that he was well uh, glad is maybe not the right term um he did what we wanted. I literally said last week, please just play one quarterback, and he did. So, you know, on that side, yeah, I guess I am somewhat glad. Um, that being said, the other thing I also said last week is that I think that one guy should be Cardell Williams. Uh, and this game did absolutely nothing but convince me that, that was <laughs> yeah. the correct thought. Um, Just because, and, you know, it, it's – not to say you know like oh it's it's one drive and not to overhype one drive or anything cuz i'm not there's nothing really to hype about this game um so that's not even what i want to do but cardell comes in and where does our one touchdown of this game come from it's when cardell is at quarterback now that being said we're already down by like 50 plus points at this point so i i mean i know smu's third string quarterback was playing, I have to assume that they had, you know, second team defense in or something at this point. Yeah. So, you know, this is not necessarily Cardell scoring against SMU's elite number, you know, top forty five whatever SP plus defense in the country. Um, so, you know, taking that with a grain of salt. But he was still able to do way more in his short time than it felt like Braylon was getting was doing the entire game. Um so, you know, and I, I, I kind of think this game is Kevin Wilson gave Braylon this game as a chance to, like, you know, win the position, and I don't think he did. Um, so I kind of, like, I don't think necessarily think he'll do the same thing with Cardell um, with him being a freshman, but I, I feel like we're going to see a lot of two quarterback games for the rest of the season. Uh, because Braylon didn't win the number one job.
0: Yeah, you know, I I kind of disagree. I think honestly, I'd be kind of surprised if we ever see Braylon Braxton start again. I don't I don't know how you can going forward. They're not. It's not like he's that much older than Cardell. Um, The question we were asked earliest, I was asking last week, was I just wanted to see a full game of Braylon Braxton this year. I we made the comment last week. Still it still hadn't seen a full game from him because of injuries and you know, whatever. Um and so that question was answered this time. We got to see a full game. Uh it did not go well, to say the least. And uh I I would be surprised if he I he'll maybe still see the field again, but I don't think he will start um as the quarterback barring any, you know, barring injuries to Cardell or something. Um I don't know how you can, right? Like the guy's completing forty-five percent of his passes, he has a one to five touchdown to interception ratio right now. You mentioned already Cardell got in there for like two drives and scored immediately. Um, And Braylon was also playing against the twos for a while on SMU's defense. And he still, you know, we didn't get anywhere. Um, So will we see Braylon Braxton at starting quarterback again? I don't think so. Um, Maybe we will like totally could. I see what you're saying. Maybe that'll just go back to more of like just going to roll them both all year, which man, that sucks. (laughs) I hope it's not that, but who knows? Um, But like, I just don't know how you can start the guy anymore after that kind of performance and then taking him out at the end of the game and i'll be clear i'm not celebrating this for braylon like he fought to earn that starting spot he fought last year he i thought he had proved it last year i think a lot of people thought he proved it last year um and he's kind of watching it slip through his hands right now and that sucks as a player like i really feel for him um but that's the nature of the game sometimes that's like you know you can feel however you want to feel but at some point your stats are when your stats look like this and you've got a younger guy who seems to play with a lot more energy and seems to get the team more amped up um, when he's in there and players seem to run harder and play harder at some point you just got to play that guy you know and you take the young mistakes with it um, but he gives you some explosion on offense and it's just not there with Braylon the guy like he ran it I don't I've got his stats up somewhere my, I've got too many notes on this game because it was just a brutal game but uh, somewhere in my notes says his like carries per carries versus yardage and last game he had like 90 something rushing yards uh on those carries this game he had like nine carries for like 11 yards it's, it's, it's some stat line like that and it is you know it's just it just wasn't there for this one i don't know what the deal was i don't know why he played so poorly um we'll talk about the defense too obviously it's not 100 on braylon the defense freaking let up 69 points but Um, You got to put up more than three, which was the number of points Braylon was uh, responsible for here. The other, the other seven came from Cardell. So me personally would be surprised if, if Braylon Braxton is the starter again. Um, But I see what you're saying, Matt, like maybe it'll be both of them, you know, rotating from here on out, but I definitely don't think it's just going to be Braylon Braxton at the helm for the rest of the season. It's a one game sample size, I understand, but at some point, like it's kind of, I don't know. It just feels like it's kind of moved on now. It's been a debate all year. That felt like the end of the debate.
1: Yeah. I just, nothing that Kevin Wilson has done with this has made, has convinced me that even this performance could be the end of the debate in his mind. That's just what I've seen so far this year. And so like, yeah, logically I feel like it would make like, yeah, you shouldn't see Braylon as your starting quarterback for like the rest of the, this season. Um, but I'm I'm I will not be surprised if we do see him. Just disappointed, I think. Which sucks. <laughs> yeah. And you know it's because, like, I mean, yeah, I'll just I'll just echo you what you said. You know, never rooting against a guy um, on this team, and it and it sucks because you know last year we saw like he had that really impressive win against Houston. He had that win against South Florida uh, at the back half of the year. Like, we kind of finished off strong last year, and a lot of that momentum um, was because of him. And then, you know, to see it slip through his fingers, like you said, uh, because lots of errant passes did not slip through (laughs) Defender's fingers. Yeah. Um, Because I, man, those, these picks, again, I mean, anytime you throw a pick six, that's just like way worse. But they just did not look good. I some I saw someone where it's like, oh, they're not on him. They kind of on him still. Like you throw into the linebacker, like it was not it, that that first one. Uh, just threw directly into coverage and then get a return for a touchdown. So it's like his his. Not all of his interceptions have looked like they're on him, but a good number of them. So I I can't really get excited for Braylon Braxton for the rest of this year, I think, like I can for Cardell Williams. Um, but it also just kind of sucks because, you know, this is not really what we were expecting at this point in the season. Um, and I'm not sure if this is like – where we want to jump off on this but you know you mentioned on twitter um i think and i don't know if trying to remember if it was an actual tweet or if it was a dm to somebody but you know kevin wilson's big quote at the press conference that you know he's not here to rebuild um doesn't really look like that (laughs) uh, is the case
0: Yeah. It's tough. Um, yeah. You know, the, the comment Matt's referring to is in his intro presser, which Matt was at, uh, he kind of, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. It felt like he spent a decent amount of time on that of like saying I'm an older guy. I don't have a lot of time to like, you know, he's not saying he's going to die. Um, but he's like, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not here to waste time. I'm not here to waste the seniors time. We've got enough talent on the team where this doesn't need to be a big rebuild. Um, we've got enough talent to win games and all year they've talked about, you know, getting to a bowl game, all this stuff. They haven't been shying away from that kind of conversation. So if this, I mean, is it a rebuild year? It, I mean, I don't know. It's, he said no, but man, it better be because if it's not, we're, we're screwed, you know? Uh, so I don't know what to think about all of that. Um, so let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about Kevin Wilson a bit. We can kind of transition into that. Um, where do we go from here? You know? Four games left. Need to win three of them to get to a bowl game. One of those games is Tulane, which is going to be a tough one. Um, And we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but it's not out of the question to win those other three games. You've got Charlotte for homecoming this coming Saturday. You get North Texas at home. After that, North Texas is definitely the best of these these three teams. Um, I'm not including Tulane in this group. Tulane, I'm assuming, will be a loss. Uh, But North Texas at home, who is and 3-5, just like us, although they've looked better than us. And then you go on the road uh, against a bad East Carolina team who has been bad all season and are not really showing many signs of life and just lost to Charlotte uh, last week, two weeks ago. Um, So you can win three of those games, probably going to lose a two lane. They're just too well-rounded of a team. I don't see how we can pull that one off. You never know you play the game, but probably not. Um, But then it's Charlotte homecoming North Texas at home and East Carolina on the road to close out the year. You can still theoretically realistically make a bowl game out of those three games uh, you gotta play a whole hell of a lot better than you just did on Saturday against s m u but it's not impossible, right? so I feel you know it's probably not likely at this point that we make a ball game. We'll probably lose a two lane and then just you know we'll probably lose one of those three games. I just the team does not seem built to go on a three game winning streak against Division one football, you know maybe they are um you know, recency bias. In my head, it feels like we're not, uh, but I know there is talent on the team to do it, so uh, who knows, man? I don't know, but th- I don't know. Do you think, if you were to put money one way or the other, do you think Tulsa makes a ball game this this season
1: now? Uh, it's hard because I feel like I've only been betting on Tulsa with my heart. It's um, not should. entirely true. Some of them have been like heart and, this is easy, like NIU, which if we played NIU next week, I probably would not have made that bet. <laughs> yeah, right. um, but, like, yeah, I would put money on Tulsa. Um, but, you know, if I'm a neutral fan, no, I don't think I do. <laughs> yeah. um, like, I, I think, but, you know, like you're saying, even if all three of those games are 50-50, which is, you know, probably generous for Charlotte um, and ECU, but, but, you know, maybe that kind of compensates for the UNT being a uh, tougher game. You know, even if that's the case, you're looking at you know, 12% chance to win them all if it's just (laughs) like purely a a coin toss for each one. So, yeah, it's it sucks because we essentially have no room for error if slash win we lose to Tulane, and it's because we just kind of already had those errors I guess um or you know just played like absolute crap against (laughs) Rice. um FAU that's one that that one hurts and I I looking back on it you know I think we win that game if it doesn't become a torrential downpour in the second half to end the first half of that game we were starting to cook um but you know it's like that Tulsa team that shows up and plays hard like they did against that FAU team, that team can win three games against UNT, against Charlotte, against ECU. The team that showed up against Rice, that showed up against Washington, OU, SMU, that Tulsa team is going to drop to UNT and probably still beat Charlotte and ECU, but it will be weirdly close. So.
0: Yep. Um, I agree with you. The, I, I think we actually played okay against Washington ish. You know, the other ones I'm, yeah, I, I, I see your point though. Um, yeah, it's tough. I like the whole seat. It's still in front of you, right? You go three and one in these next four games. Most people are, you know, not everybody's going to forget about SMU or the rice blowout. Uh, But you go into the offseason feeling way better because you made a bowl game and you've closed out the season three and one, right? That you can totally turn this thing around by doing what you're supposed to do and beating these three of these next four teams, which... You know, maybe you could say supposed to is beating two of these next four teams. But man, if you can pull off three of them and get to a bowl game, that looks a hell of a lot better than going five and seven and missing bowl season. Bowl season has been the barometer all year since we started preseason, just based on what coaches were saying. And right? this is not ridiculous for us to think that a bowl game is realistic in this this season uh, under a first year head coach and Kevin Wilson. So you can get it done. It's still there for the taking you get a game of buffer to lose to Tulane. You just got to win those other three, or maybe you beat Tulane and drop to North Texas somehow, you know, North Texas looking good. Like they, man, they were really, really close to taking out Memphis, uh, which we'll talk about later, but it's going to be a tough one. That's the, that's kind of the key one going forward now. Cause they're all key, right? Like, but we do get Charlotte for homecoming, uh, which should help. And then you close out the year against a bad East Carolina team, which is on the road against it's a tough place to play um, they're in Greenville. But should should win that game. So we'll see. Um but man, if we don't if we don't pull it off and we miss ball season, there's going to be a lot there are now right now is probably the lowest uh if we were keeping track of like vibes on Kevin Wilson, right now would definitely be the valley of where people have been um in his in level of confidence in him. Uh it feels like everybody kind of turned a little bit <laughs> after this game. Um and it's a bummer because you know we all want him to do well i think most people want him to do well and want tulsa to win like your average sane fan wants tulsa to win games and wants kevin wilson to be good uh but there are plenty of people who are like not seeing it now and i don't blame you you know you lose 69 to 10 it's gonna happen um and this was the first game where i had some doubts of my own real, like true doubts you know obviously i'm looking at the rice game and i'm like man that sucked uh, and some doubt starts to creep in your mind over this over the course of a year when things are going this way. Um, but this was the first game where I was like, "Man, did we make the wrong move here? <laughs> like, is this is this gonna be really bad?" Um, and I I had that thought, you know, and it made me think back to when we were first covering Kevin Wilson getting hired. There were I remember like people were all in our mentions about like Split Zone Duo, the the very popular college football podcast, who have some high like some high up people in the college football world host that show, and they were just Ragging on Tulsa about bungling this coaching search and making the wrong hire here. Um, Dan Morrison from Underdog Dynasty said something similar about how this was this guy made no sense for TU. There were all these other options on the table and they, they chose this guy. And I was like, man, you know, we were hearing from inside the university people that were like, this is the guy they were gunning for. You know, they wanted Kevin Wilson. There were like, we could have, it depends how you define the term, bungle a coaching search, right? if the term bungle means that we could have hired Gigi Kinney, but we like screwed it up during the interview process and he, he, he opted out and like went to Texas state instead. uh, If that's your definition of bungled, I don't think that's true at all. I still don't think that's true. Um, And I think it's kind of ridiculous (laughs) to think that that is a a possibility. Um, But if your definition of bungle for the coaching search just means you just made the blatantly wrong choice and that's what you're defining it as. When you looked at your options on the table, you just made the wrong call. That's becoming more, more and more of a decent argument, you know, that you could have made. Um, I'm definitely feeling pretty low on, on on Kevin Wilson right now. I know it's the game a couple of days after an awful loss, and that's definitely going to to hit you. So like, ask me in two weeks after we played a couple more games, we'll see more. Um, but look at it; it just hurts more because look at the other options for coaches that we discussed at least the, the biggest ones. You've got G.J. Kinney. He's the big one. Everyone's pointing to him right now. Five and three in his first year at Texas State. In Texas State, he took over. Bad program, right? They, had, they started off that year with a big win over Baylor. They are currently ranked higher than us in the SP+. Texas State ranked higher than Tulsa right now in the SP+. That should not be the case. Top 15 scoring offense in the country for the Texas State Bobcats out there. So things are rolling pretty well for GJ Kenny to say the least. You look at one of the guys I was, I was pretty opposed to, uh, that's Barry Odom. And I was even more opposed to him because he came from Mizzou or he's got a background of being a head coach at Mizzou, which is Matt and I's both kind of hometown program. We like, we grew up as Mizzou fans. I'm sure you've heard us say that plenty of times. And, uh, his tenure at Mizzou wasn't great, you know, to say, to say the least, I think. And I didn't want that at Tulsa. He, it was a boring brand of football and they didn't win very much. Um, Barry Odom is now 6-2 and two in his first year at UNLV. He was 6-1. and one. They lost this last week. Uh, they have a top 15 rushing offense. So you've got a top 15 scoring offense in G.J. Kinney, a top 15 rushing offense in Barry Odom, and they're one of the best teams in the Mountain West right now in UNLV. Then you look at Brennan Marion. Less likely that we would have hired him to be a head coach, but he wasn't out there as an option. He was the OC, at, or he's like a receivers coach at Texas. Now he's the OC at UNLV under that very same Barry Odom. So it's Barry Odom and Brennan Marion over there running the show at UNLV, um, and they're doing very well, uh, running the number 65 ranked total offense, according to SB+. Um, Two more to run down here. Eric Morris, 3-5 and at North Texas. Eric Morris was the guy at Incarnate Word, um before uh gj kinney kind of got that program built up um and then he went somewhere else he was the oc somewhere big that i'm blanking on right now and now he's the head coach at at north texas three and five at north texas rocky start to the year but like mentioned before they have been extremely competitive against two of the best teams in the league in tulane and memphis uh, in the last couple weeks they barely lost both of those games um, and just like seriously, by their fingernails, lost this last one to Memphis last week. He was at uh, he was at wazoo That's what that I year. Okay, I was like Mississippi State or Washington State is one of those two. Yeah, um, yeah. So Wazoo. Uh, and North Texas has the number twenty eight offense in S P Plus. So like, also running a very good offense over there. And then the last option I think was don't fire Phil Montgomery. How's Phil Montgomery doing? Um, yeah, not great. This is this is the least compelling answer uh he's four and four so like average you know four and four in his first year as auburn's offensive coordinator auburn's you know tough year tough league obviously in the sec but four and four in his first year is the oc under hugh freeze over there um they have one of the worst offenses in the sec thus far it's like number 60 something in the country and that's right there at the bottom with two other teams in arkansas and somebody else um so like whatever you know that, i just wanted to chime in on on what he's up to um over there at auburn but like all of the all of the options we were looking at pretty much i can't remember I'm, I'm sure i'm missing a big name or two that we talked through that maybe was a was a name we were looking at those are the ones that i could remember the most and they're all doing pretty well you know in terms of offensive production certainly um and all of them are have great records except for eric morris he's three and five but could very easily flip that and be five and three instead if he just doesn't lose these ridiculous losses against Tulane and Memphis um so they're looking pretty good too so I don't know it's just that just running through that list and seeing how pretty good that everybody else is doing with the options that we looked at um adds salt to the wound that is Tulsa's team right now and Kevin Wilson trying to build this thing I still I don't think it's all done or gone I don't think we can't get there um it's just, obviously it's, it's not the start you wanted, uh, if you're a first year head coach or a fan. So that's uh, I just wanted to run through that and and chime in with what everyone else is up to.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'll just kind of like sprinkle some of my thoughts in, um, for what you were kind of saying. So like one thing first, I feel like something that really has gotten people talking about it, uh, especially after this is like Philip Montgomery's tenure I want to say, and I was just going through and looking through, you know, you take out the Ohio State game from 2016, you take out the Ohio- Oklahoma game from 2015, and like his margins of like his largest margin of loss is going to be like in the low or like in the 30s. He, we never really saw games like we've seen this year from Philip Montgomery's Tulsa teams. Like we weren't getting blown out 42 to 10 or 69 to 10 or, you know, 43, whatever that was. Um, and I'll be at that one. The Washington one is um, the least egregious of any of them um, kind of thing. And so that's kind of what I, I think a lot of people look at is like, well, you know, we at le- if we're going to lose, at least we didn't look bad um, or it wasn't like an embarrassing loss kind of thing. Um, you know, there are other issues, you know, we kind of talked about, uh, well, we didn't talk about it today, but we often talk about, um, collapses, uh, late in games. Like when we played SMU in 2019, um, had that like 30 to nine lead going into the fourth quarter. So it was like different kinds of things. Um, and so, you know, I, I I think that's kind of a big is, you know, this loss is just very uncharacteristic for what we've expected out of Tulsa. Um, you know, we we tend not to lose big because uh, our offense can at least kind of keep up if our defense can't. Um, the that's the other thing I think the biggest miss we've had is just the whole scramble with defensive coordinator uh, and having Polizzi come in so late and like you know we had a defensive coordinator um, who is now at. Indiana. Yep. So how is Indiana's defense doing? I don't know. Probably not great. Um, but that definitely, you know, like I think threw our defense into a little bit of disarray, probably. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, G.J. Kinney, for all the success that he's at at Texas State, I think he had like 30 plus, if not 40, transfers kind of come in to turn that team around. And so I think I read a stat that it was like Deion Sanders and G.J. Kinney were the two coaches (laughs) um, that brought in the most transfers. And it's worked very well, because I think for Kinney, uh, because I think he's actually a good coach on top of it, Um, whereas Sanders is, uh, you know, a little bit focused on himself uh, instead of the team. But I don't think Tulsa wanted to do that. Like, I'm talking TU administration. I don't think they wanted to you know, have all these guys that are on the team and, like, be like, hey, we're – a coach is coming in and he's bringing a bunch of new players. I think, like, that, you know, that's for better or for worse, and I think it's for better. Like, Tulsa wants to do right by its student athletes. Um, And so I think Kevin Wilson was the guy who was going to do that. Um, That being said, you know, the worst part of for better or for worse is I just – we don't have the talent to compete in some of these games this year. Um, and I hate saying that. I don't like talking negatively about our players, but I mean, it, you can just kind of tell like the I results. Don't, I don't
0: think I agree. I, I think I know that's like, I've, I've seen some other people say that too. And I don't think so because we competed in these games last year. And yeah, we lost some guys and we lost some people to Oklahoma State and whatever and um, lost our two best receivers. I get it. Uh, and that's like certainly a thing, but. It looks like Braylon Braxton is worse. It looks like Anthony Watkins is worse. These are all guys that were on the team last year. Kendaren Ray looks worse. It's like, these are people we had and things have not gotten better from year one to year two. And maybe it's a change in system. Maybe it's just the whole new staff and how you practice or whatever. But like, I, I don't believe that we just don't have the talent. I don't think that's the answer. You know, could be wrong. Maybe it is. Maybe we lost enough people that this is just what it compounds into. Um, I think we have the talent to compete with these teams. I don't think it's a 69 to 10 difference in talent between SMU and Tulsa. It's not. Uh, So the fact that we just
1: lost by that is something else. And I don't think it's talent. No, I, yeah, you're probably right. Um, And maybe that's the easy, uh, the cope to be like, well, next year when he's got his recruits in, maybe it'll be different. And maybe it will. And maybe it'll be because Kevin Wilson will be get better as a coach from year one to two at Tulsa uh maybe Chris Polizzi will get better as a second year defensive coordinator if he's still around next year um but I mean I would say at some level it it, it's got to be some combination of it because you know like our offensive on the offensive side you know the wide receivers I and it's tough because we've all we've also had injuries there, which I think have definitely hurt as well. Um, you know, like shoulders going out for the year really hurts, um, and then you know just injuries from this from the get go. Uh, but just on defense, I you know we kind of talked about it early on in the year. The, the secondary, outside of like two guys, um, and even Ray has struggled a lot this year. But like outside of Jace Oliver, just like yeah. I don't know maybe it's just you know you look at the and i i say you i i'll say me i look at the on-field performance and i'll say you know be like players maybe it is coaching maybe i i probably don't know enough about coaching systems and i think this is especially on offense people talk about kevin wilson's system is much more complicated than baylor's um system that philip montgomery ran um I don't know what makes it more complicated, personally. Um I can understand a simpler offense, I guess better. But it's it's a little bit harder to to for me to tell it's coaching. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of what I started with. Is Montgomery did not lose big on these games. And so if the if the big change is from Montgomery to Wilson, then that kind of sucks. I just I don't know if any of those other guys come in. I don't think the results like our record is different, I guess I'll say, but I definitely could see our uh, margin of loss being much closer in some of these games.
0: Yeah. And I, I'm interested to hear like he's probably doing his radio show right now that he does every Monday and usually we record lately, but we've been recording on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays. So we can like talk about that a little bit, you know, comments that he said, or, or maybe he'll go to a press conference after the game or whatever, but didn't get that this game. So I'm interested to hear what Wilson says, like what his attitude is like, after because like we talked about last week after the rice blowout, um, he was very, you you know, he was very introspective about that loss, about himself and. Uh, this, he was feeling down about his own coaching ability at the, for, you know, briefly there, um, or he was, you know, he had the thoughts and he said that, which we talked about last week and this game couldn't have given you any more confidence, right. As a head coach, um, that, you know, what you're doing. Uh, I'm sure he does. I don't think he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he's been around the game long enough. He knows things, uh, like he knows what I think he knows what's up. Um, but if you're having confidence problems as a coach, you just lose 42 to 10 and then you go the next week and you lose by even more than that. It's not going to help you, uh, confidence wise. Right. So I wonder how he's feeling. Um, I, w- I wonder how well he'll be able to bounce back after this one. He mentioned last week that the players really brought him back pretty quick, um, after that rice loss. So we'll see, I'm intrigued by how that goes, but, um, one more comment I'll make on this. You mentioned like, it probably wasn't part of the coaching hiring process from the team administration down to hire somebody and let them blow the team up. Right. We even talked about it last week with Eric Conkle. He made the same comment. He's like, when I was getting, when I was going through the interview process, it was an agreement between myself and also, uh, Brad Carson, Rick Dixon, everybody involved in that coaching search that we were going to honor the guys that were here. And that was part of the deal. Right. And that had to, I mean, it had to be the same for for kevin wilson i cannot imagine that they would have. i mean it can always be different from sport to sport right but for your two big your biggest sports um i would assume it was something similar would not be surprised at all if that were the case so will we see a conco-like destruction of the team after this year maybe i don't know <laughs> if we don't if we don't make a bowl game sir cert- i mean almost definitely right uh if we make a bowl game it's going to be tougher because you know, you've got guys you're happy with and you end the season three and one, the vibes are good and you want to keep it together, you know? Um, But I would not be surprised if we don't make a ball this year. uh, If Kevin Wilson, if the, if the kind of rain, if he has the reins on him of don't make too many changes to the team, if those are then taken off after the results this season and he's able to just like blow it up, if he thinks he can get the guys from the portal that he needs, right? It's all, I'm sure it'll be up to him, but I think it's an interesting comparison to make between Conkles' year one. He kept the entire team together. did not go well. And then he blew it up, and we'll see how this year goes. And then Kevin Wilson, uh, probably the same, keeping the whole team together, or as much as you can. It's not going very well, and we'll we'll see how it goes. Will he blow it up, and we'll go from there. But, yeah, um, super interesting, obviously. Hoping he can get it together. I want nothing more than the split zone duo guys to be wrong and Dan Morrison to be wrong and Kevin Wilson to get Tulsa where it should be. Um, but after a week like that, tough to see it. All right. Anything else on the, a- a- on the, uh, sorry, SMU game um, before we move to players of the game here, Matt.
1: No, I was just going to say, you know, um, and you m- mentioned this briefly, like you end up, you know, you pull off the three of four, And we're not talking about this loss um, coming into next season. You know, that's not what we're focused on. Because if you like when we were going back and doing our 2022 season preview, I mean, there was incredibly there was a ton of optimism. There was a ton of hype. You we Tulsa rolled off four straight wins, uh, you know, capping that off with the bull win over Old Dominion. There was incredible hype about Davis Brin, the entire team. We really thought 22 was going to be our year um you know we lost to uc davis that season we had <laughs> yeah. some pretty unexcusable losses that season but it's how you finish not necessarily how you start um, totally in college football so you know if wilson can do can pull it off you know i i think there will be co- contentment uh, amongst people um you know to let it run its course if we don't make a bowl game, it's going to be a loud, uh, loud and long off. Season. <laughs> Extremely true. Well said. Couldn't
0: have put it any better. Um, I kind of think we should skip players of the game for this game because it was such a bad game. It feels like it's fake celebration. Right. Like nobody, yeah. nobody really played very well on any phase of the ball <laughs> or of any phase of the game. Slander um, to chase. Slander to chase. It's true. He's still perfect on the year. We got we did have a an offensive touchdown. Uh, which I assume would be our offensive player of the game for both of us. Uh, like, I, I I, think I'm going to uh, opt out of players of the game in this one and, and just vote that we move on. But if, you, if you've if got a person you want to talk about or a stat line you want to mention, uh, then you should, but I just no. don't really have any.
1: I will only be giving a special teams player of the game to Chase Meyer, which is very funny compared to last year, <laughs> where I boycotted special teams player of the game. Uh, well, I mean, we are
0: we are number 30 in the special teams sp plus rankings we're top 30 team we're 114th at offense 103rd on defense and number 30 in special teams um and another awesome game for penalties another three total penalties in this game for 35 yards smu also just had three um so like special teams and penalties which were our worst forever which we say every week i think are now easily our best faces of the game uh so if we can just put the other two back in there in some capacity we'll be looking like a pretty decent football team um but yeah i don't yeah i've got like when when your first half drives for smu like when you as a defense give up this is how the drives went in the first half against us touchdown 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 pick six field goal touchdown touchdown punt (laughs) that was smu's first half that that is amazing and unacceptable um, we didn't talk that much about the defense, I guess, in the recap, and we're already 40 minutes in, so we probably shouldn't, but suffice to say not a great performance from, from the defense in this game. You can't give up 69 points and, uh, and be happy with that in any form. Um, and they weren't even put in bad spots. A lot of that game, like the, a lot of their drives were like 60 plus yard drives. They were long drives. Uh, obviously they had the pick six, which is not on them. Um, and there were a couple short field situations, uh, but a lot of them were not, and that's just going to be what happens when SMU gets the ball all game long um so yeah
1: yeah no the only the thing that i feel like the defense needs to shut down on the most and it's been killing us all season is the slant pass um the slant pass is a football play that is designed (laughs) to destroy tulsa's defense uh i thought you were gonna like
0: read off wikipedia like the slant pass is this designed to destroy
1: wikipedia i i like to think that that's what it says in wikipedia though it it Very well should. Um, Washington, Michael Penix carved us. uh, OSU beat us with it. I mean, EJ, Warner was getting some good looks from it against Temple. um, And that should tell you enough because Temple is bad. Um, But, yeah, second play of the game was just a slant route with an uncovered receiver in the slot who takes it to the house. like. That has just been our kryptonite, and that's all I'll say. Can you remember or can you believe that at one point this year, we won a
0: game 48 to 26, and like 10 of those 26 points came in garbage time? Like, we smoked a team that's in our conference, and that's the Temple Owls. <laughs> and like, it's, it has not been not been anywhere near that um, ever since. That's how bad okay. Temple is.
1: Yeah. What has Temple done since then?
0: Uh, lost. They've just lost to SMU 55 to nothing the week before SMU played us. Uh, so we didn't lose and now we lost by more than that wait no 69 10 yeah now we lost by more never mind <laughs> <laughs> by four yeah temple is 129th in uh in sp plus
1: by everybody they played except akron and norfolk state
0: akron norfolk state's fcs akron is one of the four teams in the sp plus rankings that is ranked lower than the temple owls they are one in seven and have the 131st offense the 130th defense or 104th defense and 130th special teams there you have it all right um let's move on we've got charlotte we do have another football game and we're gonna try to win this one i'm pretty sure we'll we'll put a team out there we'll see what happens hey they're
1: helping us too
0: they are helping us um apparently and i have not seen reports of who all but they have suspended many players um like apparently on the range of like four to five so like not an insignificant number of players um that have been suspended but all for disciplinary actions they got in like a bunch of fights and stuff last game uh so i'm not sure who all that is i assume one of them um is this five st- former five-star recruit uh defensive lineman his name's ayabi Oki Anoma, and i'm only assuming he was one of the ones suspended because i was watching that charlotte game and that guy last week and that guy was Every time you looked up, either in a fight with another player, a fight with the head coach or the fight with a ref. And it was like, he's been, this is, he's a five-star guy. Why is he at Charlotte? You might ask, uh, because nobody likes playing with him. Apparently, He's been kicked off several teams, um, all of stuff, right? He's just, I, I, it sounds like kind of a head case. So I assume he is one of the, <laughs> one of the players who was suspended, um, for this game against us. I don't know who else was. Uh, we'll probably hear more about that as the week goes on here, but Biff um,
1: has said he's not going to announce the names. He's not so going to. Okay. We will only so. know because they will not be traveling with the team. So you will have to do some detective work to put the pieces together. There we go. Did he say a number or nothing? He didn't say anything. Um. He said, nope, just a number of players, <laughs> various players. All right. <laughs> so, we'll see. Um. Got to think one of them is that five-star guy. If we want the full Biff Poggy quote. Uh, I am extremely disappointed with our comportment as a football team against FAU. I have made the decision to immediately suspend various players for our game against Tulsa. Then he ripped off his sleeves. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Very nice. Um, Yeah, I got to think one of them is that guy. Uh, He is also like, yeah, he's a head case um, and a former five star recruit, but he does like he is very good. Uh, he's third on the team in total tackles. He leads them in sacks. Um, he has three more sacks than the next closest guy on the team. Who's a linebacker. Uh, so like, he's good. So I assume he won't be there. So that will help us. Uh, I don't know who else will be out, but yeah. Um, all right, let's keep rolling on Charlotte here. Uh, their head coach, you said him already. I had to look up the pronunciation of his last name. Cause I said it one way and then I heard an announcer say it and it was different. So I looked it up. Um, it is Biff Pojie, Biff Pojie. That's how you say it. I I thought it was pokey or Poggy. I, I didn't really know, but it's neither. It's Biff Pogi, like P-O-E hyphen, just the letter G. Um, he is in his first year.
1: Oh, just like Gus hyphen T.
0: Just like Gus T. Pogi and Gus T, baby. Put them on the same field together. Who knows what will happen? We'll find out. Uh, Biff Pogi, he's in his first year. Previously, it was Will Healy there for several years, and he got fired at the end of the season last season. Um, last year, they went three and nine, two and six in conference usa they bring in poji who was the associate head coach i believe at michigan for the last several years um he'd been here and there before that uh he also as some folks who we've talked to on this very podcast have joked around that he has used to run a hedge fund and apparently made a ton of money from that hedge fund then he got out of hedge fund world and became a college football coach i think that was the that was the path um maybe he was a football coach beforehand and then he was doing hedge fund stuff and then he got back into coaching i don't remember Uh, but anyway he made a ton of money from that and now he's making a ton of money as a head football coach um so he is their head coach their offensive coordinator's name is mike miller not the mike miller from the nba i don't think i've never seen them together but you never know their defensive coordinator is ryan osborne um charlotte they are number 131 in the sp plus rankings um which is two spots lower than the aforementioned temple owls who we beat by a lot so there's a chance we can win this game i swear the uh, charlotte is number 130 in offense number 108 in defense number 122 in special teams so we've really got them on the special teams game um they're pretty bad across the board you can look at the rankings though and you'll see their biggest struggles have been offensively uh I mentioned they have the number 130 offense out of 133 total teams in the fbs They, like us, have been going through it with a two-quarterback system. It does not work, folks. I don't know why we're still doing it. It seems like we're not anymore, but I don't know why we did it for so long. Uh, But they've got two, and they still have two. They played both last game also, and they lost. Uh, Their two quarterbacks are Jalen Jones and Trexler-Ivy. Jalen Jones leads the team in rushing, 485 yards on the ground. Trexler-Ivy seems to have a better arm. He's completing 62% of his passes. Um, However... Uh, he has just two touchdowns on the year compared to four interceptions. Um, Jalen Jones has three touchdowns on the year compared to four interceptions. So don't think either of them are a huge threat offensively. They seem to be really stuck in the mud. They have had a real trouble moving the ball in any phase of the game. Um, on the offensive side, Their are two primary running backs, Teron Coleman and Shadrick Byrd. Neither of them have a touchdown on the year. All of their rushing touchdowns, except two, come from Jalen Jones, the, uh, the quarterback, the running quarterback that I mentioned before. Um, receivers, when they throw to them, they've got some that can catch the ball. Sometimes uh, they are Jack Hestra or Hestera, a sophomore uh, who leads them in yards and touchdowns. So if there's a if there is a threat on the receiving side, it's him, Jack Hestera. 300 total yards, two touchdowns on the year. Um, they also have a tight end who looks pretty good, sophomore tight end Colin Weber. He's got 250 receiving yards on the year. Um, Jairus Mack is another receiver to keep an eye on, kind of their third guy. Uh, second on the team in receiving yards, but only has 12 catches on the year, um, and he's their kind of their number two true receiver. Uh, and that's compared to 25 catches and 23 catches for those two other guys. So those are probably the names to watch out for on the offensive side of the ball. Defense not much better, a little bit better, but not much better. Um, they're led by a linebacker named Demetrius Knight, who leads them in tackles with 56. He's got a pick six on the year also. Um, they've got a corner named Cameron Howard, who has two interceptions, leads the team in interceptions. Uh, and I mentioned him already. The biggest name on this team is that five-star defensive lineman, Ayabi Oki Anoma, uh, leads him in sacks by a lot, third on the team in tackles, but might not be a concern for Tulsa on Saturday because I would bet that he is one of those guys that's out of the game after watching him kind of make a fool of himself uh, last Saturday. Just it was It was crazy. Like, Every time I looked up, he was in a fight with somebody. It was nuts. Man, like, you got to think after getting kicked off all these teams, you would maybe stop doing that. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) He's just he's just got it in him that he has to do this. But anyway, he might not be a a concern for us. Um,
1: It's it's funny because his sports reference page uh, for his like um, stats just year over year. He shows up first year 2018 as a freshman at Alabama, Uh, two sacks, you know, nine total tackles. Then he shows up again in 2022, four years later is the next time he has stats. <laughs> Damn! At Michigan as a senior, so just like three years, just missing. Um, <laughs> what? happened? What happened then, in those three years? And then now he's at Charlotte. It sounds like he didn't play, see any game time. Um, I'm surprised that so like he was, so his most recent one was Michigan. That's where Pochi
0: came from. I'm surprised, mm-hmm. like knowing that. That I mean, I guess you just need talent at some point, right? If you're Maybe that's the deal. He was like, you know, I'll bring you to Charlotte, but you've got to stop with this, uh, with this behavior problems. And uh, it seems like it has not stopped. Yeah, very weird. Um, so we'll see what happens if he's out there on Saturday. If he is out there, he is a legitimately good player. Um, so that could cause some havoc if he's playing, but it uh, sounds like maybe not. Tulsa opened as a three point favorite in this one. Um, last I checked, which was last night, Sunday night, I'm not sure if it's moved since then, it was three and a half um it's also homecoming for tu so uh feeling good like this should be a win uh however we're coming off the worst loss in forever for tu it's like how does the team respond who knows that's that's really the big question going into this one in the game we should win against the team we're better than in pretty much every phase of the game uh normal circumstances would take tulsa easily to win this game but coming off a 69 to 10 loss um on the road hurts so how do you feel Matt how do you think the team's gonna respond in this one
1: yeah I don't know because I would have said last week that the team I was like you've you know after a 42 to 10 thrashing by rice where you just look lifeless in the second half like to come out and see energy in the next game um and then to do pretty much the exact same thing um so I'm like I don't know you would kind of hope that the team would be angry, pissed, and want to just beat somebody up, but they didn't do that last week. So I I think there's more reason to believe that'll be the case this week, but I'm not going to predict a Temple-like game. Um, I'm going to predict, I would say we'll we'll win, but it'll be closer than I think it'll be like a touchdown. Um, Yeah. No more than a touchdown would be my thought.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that's probably true. Like, it's kind of where I'm where I'm at too. East Carolina or not, not East Carolina. Um, Charlotte has two wins on the season, the season opener, which was an FCS team, FCS win over South Carolina State, and then ECU, which is why I had ECU in my head. Uh, They just beat them two, three games. No, two games ago, uh, October 21st in the most boring game of the AAC so far, 10 to 7 final score in that one. Uh, But they beat them. So like they are capable of beating another team in our league and so are we uh so we'll see we'll see who can uh who comes out on top in this one but yeah i'm kind of with you i don't think it's going to be a blowout win i do think we'll win this game i i'm doubting it as i say it out loud because now i just remembered that um you mentioned like i hope that the team comes out like fired up after after a loss like that I just want to hit somebody you know uh and it reminded me that in last week's um bruce howard he does it obviously live on the radio, but he also puts it out as a podcast. It's like the little scene setter that he does. Um, Kind of a, a, it's a performance that like walks, kind of gets everybody high for the game. It's like a minute and a half, really short, just highlighting each team and uh, setting the mood for the game. Right. And he puts it out as like a two minute podcast. Actually, it's like a four minute podcast because there's tons of ads in there. And then a minute and a half of Bruce Howard doing some awesome work, like on the mic. Um, But Last in that in the SMU scene setter, he made the comment of, or, uh, yeah, he made the comment and put interviews with players on there, like little three second clips of players saying how fired up they were for this game because they just got beat so bad, uh, again, um, against, uh, Rice. Rice. Thank you. Um, against Rice. And, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. They'll be mad. They're going to come out and win <laughs> like what you're saying. And it was the opposite. They came out and looked like they had already gotten punched in the face and then had no fight this entire game. So hopefully it goes the other way in this one. And that two de- two games in a row, surely they're going to come out fired up um, after after losing twice in a row like that. So we will see. Um, but yeah, not a ton of confidence in this game. I do think we'll still win. I think Charlotte is just, we need a get right game. And this feels like one. T- Temple was a get right game and that went great. Uh, this feels like another one coming at a desperately needed time before we've got to go play freaking Tulane in two weeks. So we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, let's keep moving here around the American real quick. Uh, let's take a look at what we think is the biggest win, the worst loss, and the WTF results of the week. Let's start with the biggest win. Um, I want to start with this one because I watched this game and I thought it was an awesome. It was the most fun AAC game I have watched this year, uh, no doubt. It was Memphis North Texas. Final score of this game was forty five to forty two. Just an insane, insane game. North Texas had to actually come back from kind of big down uh, after the first half, but still, like it was, it was pretty competitive the whole way, and then it got wild at the end. It was just back and forth scores in quick succession. Uh, to cap it off. Um, And this made, it was even cooler for me to watch this game because as we say many times, we grew up Mizzou fans uh, and Jeremy Macklin's cousin, Jamori Macklin is on North Texas's football team. He's there. I don't know if he's their best receiver. He was their best receiver in this game. No doubt. Uh, He transferred from Mizzou. He only transferred from there because uh, Luther Burden, the five-star number one recruit in that class uh, committed to Mizzou. Once that commitment happened, he transferred North Texas picked him up and uh man he lit it up in this game he had the score he had a score late to put them up uh, with like a minute something left and then you know memphis has enough time to march down the field in like 30 something seconds and take the lead back and win it it was an awesome game watch the highlights of it there were so many like 45 to 42 like i said there were so many cool plays in this one um watch the highlights if you can definitely recommend it was awesome so that's my biggest win of the week matt did you have a different one
1: no, I was just refreshing uh, myself on what games actually happened. Um, I feel like all the other one, like the only other candidate for biggest win would be like UTSA, but they just played ECU, so it's like not really that big of a win. And FAU beating Charlotte doesn't. So, yeah, I feel like for Memphis, it, it's got to be that. That keeps them in the race. You know, you kind of got a three-way race. Uh, at the top, well, well kind of FAU is kind of up there too. Yeah. Um, so four way race keeps them alive. Um, yeah. So I would say biggest loss. Can I say ours? Cause it yep. would be, it would be ours. no
0: question. It's definitely us. <laughs> yeah. That's why I have two. all the other ones were kind of expected. Everybody who lost, lost, um, kind of how they should have maybe, Respect. Uh, and
1: they all lost like respectably. Yeah,
0: it was definitely us. Like, there, there's no debate. Unfortunately, this week for uh, for a worse loss. Um, yeah, do you have a WTF result of the week? I think it's just Tulane Rice being as close as it was. Yeah, agreed. That's that's what I have too. Look at Tulane. You know they're number 22 in the country, seven and one, four and zero. So like on paper, look great still. Uh, but their last four weeks, it has been nail biters all four weeks in a row. Um, kind of like four weeks ago, they, they were down to UAB at halftime, uh, and they ended up pulling away like later in that game. So that one doesn't look as close on the final score, but it was close. Like they were, they were sweating at halftime. Um, but then the last three weeks in a row have all been like this. It has been Memphis. I was looking at the like ESPN win percentage, you know, chart that they do throughout the game. Memphis had an 83% chance to beat Tulane late in the third quarter. Tulane came back and won that game. Next week after that, they play North Texas, who I who I was telling you, they've been looking pretty good lately, which scares me for that game. Uh, Tulane was up 21-0 over them at halftime. North Texas then scores 21 points in the third quarter, and it's a neck-and-neck game the entire rest of the game. Tulane only ends up winning by a touchdown against North Texas. And then just last week, like, like you just said, they win by two over Rice. And, you know, I can't talk trash on Rice. They just destroyed us. Um, but they were up 27 to seven over rice at halftime this week. And then just like North Texas, huge lead over them at, at halftime, uh, rice outscores two lane, 21 to three in the second half makes it a two point game in the end. And they have two lane ends up winning by those two points. So it's weird because they're good. Like they're clearly still good. They have the same coach. They've got the same starting quarterback. A lot of that defense is back. Um, and they're still seven and one and they're four and in the league, but man, This many close games, they're gonna you feel like they're gonna drop one here soon. Uh, maybe it'll be us, you know, you never know, could be. Uh, but that is uh, it's just crazy how close it has been for them all of the last four weeks.
1: No, I mean, it just makes me kind of think of um, and this one's fresh in my mind because I was watching it. Uh, like OU this season has you know, they have looked dominant, but then they've had a, a couple games where you know, like OU is number six in the country, uh, as of last week. But they struggled against SMU. They struggled against Cincinnati, who's not good. Yeah. Um, they then you know, played a really good game against Texas. So I won't knock them anything for that for a close win. But then they struggled to put UCF away. And UCF, you know, winless in the yep. new Big 12 as well. And then, you know what happens? They go up into Kansas and lose that one on the road in a back-and-forth yeah. kind of wacky game. Um, so, you know, you could see that similar. I could see Tulane on a similar trajectory. You know, they're winning all these games, but they're winning a lot closer than they need, than they should be, you know, or than they probably want to be. Yep. And then I don't know what the rest of their schedule is outside of us. Um, but yeah, it I could very easily see them losing um, another game here before the the conference game, just with how they've been playing. You know, they've got... Yeah. I mean, FAU at FAU could be a tough one for them or at home against UTSA. Like, hopefully, against us, that'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah. ECU, but I don't know. That was just the comparison is, you know, like a team that, you know, has looked or is ranked and is winning every game, but not as well as maybe they should be.
0: Yeah. I totally agree. And like other people are seeing it. um The Athletic last week had rice beating Tulane, like they picked rice to pull that upside off and they almost did it and it almost looked like Tulane was gonna run away with that game like i said it was 27 to 7 at halftime um and then it almost happened rice came all the way back and made it extremely close um that the end of the it was 21 to 3 in the second half rice you know so one of these times i think it's going to catch up with them or maybe they'll just start you know maybe it'll be the other way and they'll start firing on all cylinders like they're probably capable of and uh And they'll just run away with it from here on out. But hopefully not. Hopefully we'll get them. We'll see. Okay. um, Last thing uh, before we close out this episode, at least last thing that I've got in the notes. um, Basketball. We talked about it last week. It is knocking on the door. It is right here. We've got an exhibition game on Wednesday, which, man, I kind of forgot it was coming up that soon. And so I'm glad we are recording today on Monday because that means we'll have it out before then. Uh, The exhibition game is on Wednesday the 1st. We're hosting Oklahoma Christian 7 p.m. Central. Um, if you missed it uh, last week, we had the head men's basketball coach Eric Conkle, on the show talking about the 2023-24 Tulsa men's basketball team. It was awesome, hell of an episode, one of my favorites that we've ever done, I think. Um, at least one of my favorite interviews that we've done, and really, really good stuff. We talked about like you know, 12 of the 14 players on this t- this year's team are new faces to to the program. So we talked about what happened last like where did you know, what was it like going through that offseason last season? Um, where are those guys at? how that how'd that take shape? Um, And then obviously way more time on this coming season. Like who are the new guys on this team? Who are you as a coach the most excited about, you know, to see out there? Who do you think we'll see early? Um, All kinds of stuff. So really, really good. Uh, Go check it out if you haven't. I think that's kind of the de facto basketball preview that we're going to do this year. You can't get much of a better preview than having the freaking head coach of the basketball team on. So go check it out. Um, Really good stuff. We had him for a full hour. So we talked about a lot of a lot of good stuff in there. Um, but the season is officially starting. Um, if you count the exhibition game as the official start um, in two days as of recording, probably one day by the time this is out there. Uh, and we're hosting Oklahoma Christian, like we said, um, 7 p.m. Central. We'll see who comes out, who starts in that game. Based on comments that Conkle made and some other things we've heard here and there, this is what, I, this is what it sounds like to me, Matt. Tell me if you think anybody else might slip in there. Um, but it sounds like, It's absolutely going to be Kobe Williams, six foot senior. He's the one from Louisiana tech. He will certainly be the the starting point guard. I don't think there's any, he's, he's the most set in stone person on this roster. He will be there the entire year barring injury. Um, so Kobe Williams will be the point guard. Uh, I think at shooting guard, it wouldn't, I almost, almost as confident That it would be Keyston Willis um, at shooting guard starting at the two spot, but he is out with an injury, uh, lower leg. He was apparently in a in a scooter kind of thing at the Hurricane Madness last week, um, and people were commenting on that. And we knew he was hurt, but didn't know he was still in like, you know, wheeling himself around, which is not a great sign. (laughs)
1: I interpreted that as his injury was because he was on a lime scooter. Oh, <laughs> <on the laughs> yeah, no. I was like, that is so stupid. I mean, uh, I don't know where it, it right. could have been. I don't know. No, but it was like one of those things where his knee is
0: like on. Yes. Um, okay. His knees up on the thing and he's kind of kick, kick wheeling himself. You know, he's like dragging yeah. himself along with the other foot. Um, but he's the other Louisiana tech transfer. So, when he's healthy, I am very confident that he will be the starter uh, unless this guy explodes. And the guy who I think is going to start in his place and what Conkle talked about in the interview is somebody we will see early um, is a 6'3", redshirt freshman guard, PJ Haggerty. He is a TCU transfer. Texas Mr. Basketball last year um, or two years ago before he got to TCU. Huge, like That guy, I think, has maybe the most like breakout potential on this team. I don't know. There's so many guys, everybody has breakout potential, but like he's got a lot of hype around him. Um, and the fact that he gets to start this, this early in the season, because Keeson is out, if he really explodes, like he's only six, three and the other guys I'm about the list off are all six, seven or taller. Um, so it's nice to have the height throughout the rest of the roster. But if Keeson Willis comes back and PJ Haggerty has just been going off, um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely see some rotations where they're both in at the same time. that could be, that could be dangerous. Um, but going forward, um, I think after Kobe Williams and PJ Haggerty, you start getting into the long guys. Like I said, we've got a six, seven sophomore guard, Isaiah Barnes, the Michigan transfer. Conkall talked a lot about him. Um, people seem to think he's got like the most bounce on the team. He's a, a super athlete. Um, just a sophomore could totally be there at the three spot. Um, and then, four and five, I think are more up in the air. Uh, I think those three will almost certainly see at the one, two and three. And then at the four, like at the small forward position, I've got a six, eight junior forward, Jar- Jared Garcia, which we heard he might be the starter there. Um, Conkle didn't talk as much about him, but that's just from, uh, you know, we've got a source on the inside and, uh, it might be Jared Garcia there. Um, it's not like community college transfer, um, big long guy, right? So him, and then maybe like, this is the other one, uh there's kind of two options for the five spot you've got a seven footer redshirt freshman in mo who cockle didn't talk about very much um so i you know it could still be i'm sure we'll see a lot of these guys that we're not talking about on especially on wednesday um in the exhibition game but probably for this first many games of the season but there's a seven footer um, which is rare for tu uh, and that guy is a, a freshman um so Mokita, maybe we'll see him but the guy that it seems like maybe is winning this job is a six foot nine true freshman in at right coming out of high school and matt reed uh and he seems like he might be the guy like cockle raved about him said he's one of the hardest workers one of the best rebounders um that he's got so um it's a young squad like three of those guys are freshmen or sophomores then you've got a junior from community college which is kind of you know who knows what you're gonna get out of that probably a lot um and then you've got the rock solid point (laughs) if you're gonna pick one guy to be your most rock solid person Uh, I would want it to be the point guard in in this day and age. So we've got Kobe Williams as the rock-solid point guard coming in, senior uh, from Louisiana Tech. So you look down at this roster. It's a Louisiana Tech transfer, a TCU transfer, a Michigan transfer, a junior from community college who's 6'8 and big, and a a true freshman at center, which is pretty wild uh, today. The the college basketball is just getting older and more experienced, and this is a pretty young – roster uh, and everybody else on the roster is young too like and we, we mentioned it already we'll probably see a bunch of guys that we didn't mention right there like carlos williams will certainly get some run um he transferred from pearl river community college which by the way i saw this week same community college that brandon rochelle came from speaking of him he got drafted to the g league this last week i saw uh, so shout out brandon rochelle really cool um but Carlos Williams, um, we'll definitely see him. There's a bunch of other young guys who I'm sure will get some burn. Uh, Jared Hall, true freshman out of high school. Tyshawn Archie. Uh, Chauncey Gibson is a transfer from Clemson who we've heard almost nothing about from anybody. So no idea if he's going to be good or not. Um, you got Josiah McWright from last year's team who's back and one of the best def- one of the best defenders on the team, most likely. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, when you got 12 new players, you're going to see a lot of new faces and that's that's who they are. But it seems like, the starting five are gonna be Kobe Williams, P.J. Haggerty, Isaiah Barnes, Jared Garcia, Matt Reed, and then we'll probably see Carlos Williams, Mo Kita, Jared Hall every now and then, Josiah, you know, guys like that. So that that's kind of the rundown. It seems like it's gonna be, but do you have you heard anything different, Matt? Or who do you think? Or I guess two things. Have you heard anything different on that um, in terms of starting lineup? And two, um, which of those are are you more excited about? any particular guy to watch than, than anybody else.
1: Uh, I've heard nothing different. Um, all of my knowledge on the basketball team comes from our interview with coach Conkle. Um, pretty much at this point. Cause I haven't shifted my focus. Um, like I probably will now after this last week of football, um, to make basketball, my one and football, my two, <laughs> yeah. um, guy I'm most excited for probably Matt Reed. Um, just because, I mean, I think he led in this, um, oft rumored LSU scrimmage that we won. <laughs> uh, I think he had like a t- double digit rebounds and nice. that is what we have needed. We've needed a good rebounder. We've needed a tall, just strong forward center kind of guy. Uh, someone who's just like, I don't know, can just do it all. Um, and I'm hoping that's him. So I'm really excited to see that. And I think something that I'm most excited to see is, you know, like when we were freshmen, we had a core group of guys on the team, right? You know, you had like Shaq Harrison, you had all those guys. Yep. Um, and to kind of be like, all right, there's a lot of young talent on this team. Hopefully it's talent. Um, I think it's talent. And to co- so to kind of be, you know, this is the start of maybe that next potential core group yep. of Tulsa players. It's really cool to be be here. Um and at the same time I, I mean, I think we're gonna be we're gonna be better than last year. Um not a super high bar to cross. Um but yeah, so I think I think Matt Reed just from the like gives us rebounding. Um and then <laughs> at the same vein maybe uh Mokita who I think Conkle said right now their their big thing with him is just trying to put on enough muscle for him um but this and i i hope this is a typo and not like uh, a prescient future telling moment uh because Mokita's bio says in his first season at tulsa after transferring from st john's university has four years of eligibility remaining after being side- sidelined most of the 2023 to 24 season with an injury <laughs> oh no I hope, that, I hope that's a typo
0: me too that's funny yeah, agreed. And also Matt Reed, um, I can't remember if Conkle said this or we just heard it elsewhere. I think Conkle mentioned it about Reed. He can uh, he can step out and shoot the ball um too. So for your truths like your your center um to be able to come out and do that. That's uh that's pretty exciting. So
1: we'll see I what mean, happens there. Conkle and I both talked, you know, we're Bucks fans and something that, you know, the thing that really put the Bucks over the lot. well, not the thing, one of the things that put them when they won their title a couple of years ago, Brooke Lopez um yep. you know one of the best centers in the game when he played for the nets and then just found a three point when he played for the bucks and so just having that literally you're tall guy whose job is mostly there to control the rim also being a, a shooting threat just cherry on top baby there you have it uh so the oklahoma City game exhibition game
0: wednesday the first like we said 7 p.m central is the tip for that um little bit of breakdown on where Tulsa stands going into the season. We've mentioned most of this, uh, in the conversation with the con So I'll just run through it real quick. Ken Palm has us projected to go, um, 11 and 19, four and 14 in the American, uh, and ending the year on a 13 game losing streak. Eric Conkle even mentioned during that interview. Um, he is obviously he's hoping to do better than that. So he, he certainly talked about it. Go, go check it out. If you want some more details on, on his expectations for this year. um, let me run through the preseason rankings across all the you know various computers that are that are projecting these things. Ken palms has got us at 272 now. We were 274 last last I looked, um, but 272 now. Um, Barttorvik.com's got us at number 241, second worst in the American, ahead of UTSA, who's number 266. Um, Torvik does a bunch of a little bit more in depth like preseason projections, and they've got our top. Five, they are projecting Torvik our top five contributors to be Kobe Williams. Not surprising. Keyston Willis. Not surprising. Isaiah Barnes, PJ Haggerty. We talked about both those, but then not Jared Garcia or Matt Reed, who we talked about as being starters. Uh, But instead, Carlos Williams, um, who's the Pearl River community college transfer. So would not be surprised if he gets a ton of burn here uh, in the short term, like very soon. Um, Jared Garcia is seventh in that um, projected uh, contribution graph thing that they've got and matt reed is ninth so kind of surprised with how low matt is in that list but you never know, like so many new guys it's just a projection we'll see um evan massey his rankings online have us number 195 that's the best of all the rankings that i've seen so far <laughs> yeah top 200 we made it um evan miakawa uh, it's evanmia.com i think is the website there number 247 so almost identical to torvix and then the net is not out yet those don't come out for a while um, no 2023, 24 rankings yet. We ended last season in the net rankings number three hundred and twenty-four of three hundred and sixty-three Division one men's basketball teams. So that's where things stand going into the exhibition game. We'll talk a little we'll talk probably a lot more basketball next week as we get ready for the um season open the the true season opener, uh, which is on Monday the sixth, which may have happened um actually before we get to that. Uh probably don't need to know. We talked plenty of basketball, I think, and you know, like went through the whole who we think is gonna play. Um, did the whole, you know, go check out the interview with Conkle. Everything you could ever want is in that, um, real quick on central Arkansas, literally one sentence, all I know about them. They're number 319 preseason in Ken Palm. So we've got the Ken Palm edge over a team early in the season here in central Arkansas. So we'll see how that goes. That is on Monday, the 6th. That's the first true regular season game, 7 PM tip again against them. Um, Again, Oklahoma Christians coming up this coming Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central. So that one won't count for the regular season, but that is an exhibition game.
1: Is that the only I feel like if I had to guess, we would have the Ken Palm edge over more teams than you would think in our non-con schedule. Um, I didn't. Did I say it was the only one? I didn't mean to. No, you didn't. You just said early on we have one. And I'm like, I'm thinking we have a lot. Um,
0: We probably do. Let me look. Uh, so we are 272 still in Ken Palm. We've got the live results up right now. We've got the edge over Central Arkansas, Incarnate Word, who's our second regular season game. Um, South Carolina State is our fourth. Um, and that is it for the year outside of Mississippi Valley State, who we play on December 19th.
1: Mm, okay. I would have thought Little Rock and Jackson State uh, potentially as well. So
0: Not Little Rock, um, not Jackson State. Yeah, Jackson State's 219. Uh, so yeah, of the... I mean, our first five games are all super winnable. It's against number 319, number 355, number 219, number 345, and number 241. And then ORU is coming in number 194 to start the year. Uh, so first six games, all basically bottom 100 teams, a, you know, bottom 150 teams-ish. Uh, and then you start getting into Loyal, Chicago, and Oklahoma State, both of which are our top 80 Ken Palm teams. So it gets a little tougher after that. Um, and then the American is very up and down. Uh, like five teams from like 60 to 90 range in Ken Palm and a few teams that are very low like us and UTSA. All right. Anything you want to add, Matt? Um, I got nothing else in the notes. So unless you've got something else on basketball or something else entirely, um, go for it. Otherwise we can close this thing down. Nope. I, I'm ready to close her down sweet we got basketball season happening on wednesday really excited for that it's not gonna be on tv as far as i remember um but i think it is going to be on the radio so if you can find that i assume big country 99 you know or whatever that radio station is Um, but i don't know that for sure i'm kind of guessing on that but it's definitely not on tv so hopefully we can find a way to watch i'll definitely be watching if i can find it Um, but if not i'll be trying to tune in on the radio or wherever i can find it audio wise but anyway, thank you everybody for listening. We will close it down here. If you're not already, follow us um, in your podcast player of choice: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast. All those, we're on all of them. Hit the follow button. Um, you'll see updates whenever we have a new episode out. While you're here, while you're there doing that, or if you're already there doing that, um, leave us a rating and a review. Really does help. People like. I was just looking at this in Apple podcast right now. If you search Tulsa Golden Hurricane, we are like the eighth result, and it's like an SMU podcast is in there before us. And we need the ratings and reviews. They really like that's what surfaces you when you search stuff. Um, I don't think it was an SMU podcast, but some some non AAC uh, or non Tulsa podcast that's in the AAC is is ahead of us when you search Tulsa, uh, which is dumb. So go leave us a rating and review. We really do need them. They really do help people find our show if they search for Tulsa. Um, if you Leave us a written review that's five stars. We will read it on the show and give you some give you some props for doing that for us. And we really, really would appreciate it. Uh, we do all this totally for free. If you want to help us out financially, um, you can. You can also help us out by leaving a rating and review, and that's free. But if you want to help us out for, with some money, uh, you can do that. Go to our website, thegoldenhaircast.com/slash/supports. We've got a few different ways you can find listed out there um we also have merch matt's pointing to it right now the slash merch you'll find a bunch we got shirts and hoodies and stickers and mugs and i think that's it Uh, maybe something else but a lot of stuff going on over there um a sale might do a sale this week for homecoming i forgot about that yes let's say that live that way i have to do it uh let's do a sale let's do a sale i think we're gonna do a sale um hopefully you didn't already turn off the podcast uh but yeah if you haven't then you will know about it before everybody else um we're probably going to do a sale on the merch like 30 off or something like that uh tbd don't don't hold me to 30 but somewhere around that number um so check that out now would be an awesome time to get some merch um it's pretty cool it's got like all the tulsa mascots on there they're really comfortable shirts and hoodies um made by mythic uh, here in town. We worked with them a couple years back to get that rolling and really happy with the results. So check it out. Um, it'll be discounted here shortly. Uh, I think that'll be a pretty easy process. So we'll see. But anyway, definitely check it out. thegoldenhurricastcom merch uh, to find that. Um, finally, you can find us on Twitter slash X at GoldenHurricast. Um, you can submit a question for the show if you want to, uh, either on Twitter or on our website at TheGoldenHurryCast.com. And if you don't want to do either of those things, but you still want to get in touch with us, we have an email address. And that email is thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Keep an eye out on the website for discounted merchandise. Stay golden.